0: Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com.
1: Father, we thank you that your word assures us that the day is coming when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to your glory. Father this morning i ask that you would infuse my words with your authority ask you lord that the that your spirit of revelation would move among us as you would reveal our king to us this morning will you open our eyes father we we surrender ourselves to you father we absolutely uh, release and discharge, uh, Father, any spirit of darkness that would want to hinder us from hearing, that would want to uh, in any way disrupt uh, your voice to us this morning, Father, let your spirit this morning, let your spirit say and speak a word to every heart in this room the word you want to speak, Lord, what you want to say. Father, we trust you. We know your spirit is the spirit of truth, and so we ask you that you, Holy Spirit, we release you in this room. We bow to your government and to your lordship over this time, and we thank you in advance for what you're about to do in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'm just going to read a few verses. Uh, I guess you can sit down now. Thanks, guys. I was thinking of keeping Barbara up here. I don't know. If I wink at you later, will you come back up for me? All right. That's what I like. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Let me just read. I know people get nervous when I have all these papers, because that means I have no idea where I'm going. And um, you get nervous, you can think I'm going sp- to do all this speaking, right? And be at peace. This is an abbreviated meeting. We hope. I'll do my best. L- let me just read you a few verses from the book of Colossians. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions, Or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. Would you say that with me? For him. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body of the church. Who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. And, of course, we're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ in those verses. Well, I know in the day we're living and, um, you know, we live in a, in a day where there's a lot of good discussion about... Uh, you know, different religions and where people fall on the scale and the authority of the scriptures. But I just want to say that there is a day coming for those of us that believe the word of God and have surrendered to Jesus Christ as our Lord. I want to tell you that there's no question about the fact that, there, that he is the centerpiece of all of the universe of all times. He is the one for whom all things were created. They were created by him, and they were created for him. And the day is coming when the the curtain is going to be opened, and it is going to be seen the amazing beauty, the amazing majesty, the amazing love of this king, this king of ours, King Jesus. Now that kingdom is coming. You know a good way to think of kingdom for me? Kingdom. You see, what is the kingdom? It's the dome where Jesus Christ is absolutely king. Now, what do we know about kings? We know that in a kingdom, the king rules, in a kingdom, what the king says goes. So Jesus Christ, you know, i kind of have a little trouble again, Steve, where are you? With the theology, that song again this morning. You know, we've sang it for a lot of years, so I'm not, I'm not going to pick on you. Be exalted. Be exalted. You know what I'm going to say. He is exalted. He cannot go any higher. Do you and I understand that he is at the highest seat of the whole universe. See, brothers and sisters, it's like having two bookends. You've got one bookend on the left and one bookend on the right. And the first bookend is the first coming of Jesus Christ. You know, I was just reading a little bit the other day about, you know, where the, where the Bible in Luke talks about John the Baptist. He went and he was baptizing by the river. You remember? You, you've read that? So, so John's baptizing his disciples. What is he doing? What does this have to, what, what does this have to do with Christianity and, and uh, what does it have to do with Christ? Well, you see, um, about 100 or uh, 200 years prior to the Lord's coming, there were uh, some people were reading, uh, believers were reading in Isaiah 40 that the day was coming that there would be a voice coming out of the wilderness and that the valleys would be exalted and the mountains would be brought down. So many Christians kind of went, went, went like monasteries. They, they kind of went and, and made monasteries in the wilderness waiting for the Lord's coming. Now, they had some things and they thought that when he came, you know, uh, the Romans would be put down, all injustice would be put down. Well, the thing is they just didn't understand that this was only the left side of the bookend, but there's a right side of the bookend. Because in between is the period between his first coming and his second coming. And so the first coming, you see, it was like a subversive little seed that was planted. And uh, that seed was planted, and slowly, it's a seed that was to go in the hearts of men. Oh, brothers and sisters, you and I today are a part of something so old and so giant and so great for centuries and centuries. Our little sister in Sudan who stood for Christ, no matter what they said to her, they said, just recant your faith. And she said, I won't do it. And I don't want to be graphic. But do you know that woman gave birth to her baby with her ankles in chains? Yes, she did. I want to tell you, we have a phenomenal family. I want to tell you that brothers and sisters that have seen him, that have touched him, that have known him, have given their life. The book of Revelation talks about the martyrs and martyrs. Oh my goodness, they're all around the throne. Imagine, the angels, the seraphim, the cherubim, the martyrs who dipped their robes in the, with robes were dipped in his blood. Oh my goodness, brothers and sisters, There's a day coming. I want to tell you when that king is going to be seen. That king is going to be seen. There won't be any more discussion on CNN. Do you hear me? There won't be any more discussion on MSNBC or Fox or anybody because everybody will see him and he will be known. And I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but I can't take the pictures coming out of the Middle East anymore. I can't handle looking at those little children, bloodstained, and people, and thinking of these houses. People have no houses to go to. I can't stand the thought that that little Israeli soldier is not going home to his parents. I mean, dear Lord, can you stand it? I can't stand it. I can't stand turning on and looking at those little immigrant kids and the borders and all the discussion. Send them back. Oh, we can't handle it. And well, we'll maybe we'll, Ebola will come in there. I mean, I can't take it anymore, can you? I want to tell you, there's something in our heart that cries out and says, Lord, justice, we can't take it anymore. We can't handle Listen, make sure I come back to that point again. Brothers and sisters, do you understand? Do you understand? After the fall, I want to ask you. You know, we hear some people tell us, well, we're evolving. We're evolving. We're just getting greater and greater. We're getting more intellectual. And look at all the wonderful things we do now. And we can all this technology. And I say, really? I say, yeah, that's true. Our minds are the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Our minds are ascending. But brothers and sisters, where do you see our hearts ascending? Where do you see the battles? I can't. It drives me crazy. I say, Lord, not only am I dysfunctional. Not only is he dysfunctional, not only is my whole family dysfunctional, but the church is dysfunctional, and God, all the national leaders, they're all dysfunctional. I mean, the same things we're battling in our families, in our homes, I turn on the news, and I think, are you kidding me? I mean, this is the best we have? These are the statesmen we have? I mean, God, it's frightening. It's frightening. I don't care what, I'm not even talking about one party or another. I'm just saying, where, where are the statesmen? Now, what did I say I would come back to? Uh, yeah, yes, thank you. I, li- I like when you write down every word that I say, honey, that really, that really does something for me. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, I'm telling you there's a day when all justice will come, to, will come into fruition. I'm telling you, there's a day when racism will be gone, and violence will be gone, and, uh, and all inequity, inequity will, be, will be gone. I'm telling you, there's a day when justice will be here. When the king comes and sits down, there is no other answer, because the same things that we see today... Well, we'll see from hundreds of years further because power struggles with flesh and egos will go on unless Jesus Christ intervenes. Do you believe that? People are people, no matter how bright we may be in Ivy League schools we may go to. I say the hearts of men need to be changed by God. That's the problem. And so here we are, we say, Jesus will bring these things. Jesus is the one who is the king and and listen now I said there's a day coming when all this will will happen, but what is the church 's job? The church's job when I say the church, you know what I mean? I mean all those that have surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, the church, the bride, all those that have surrendered to him, our job is now to bring the kingdom first, to bring the kingdom and In this little area of my life. To bring the kingdom to my mind. To bring the kingdom to my behavior. To bring the kingdom to my house. And be an influence for Christ right where I live. To be an influence in my wider family. To be an influence on my job. To be an influence anywhere I am salt and light. That's what the church's job is. Because the day's coming when that king is going to rule. And it'll be seen. But now our job as the church... Our job as the church is to take, we ought to do what we were told in Genesis. Take dominion. Take dominion. Take dominion now. Get under the dome. Bring the king's kingdom now into our lives. Last week we started, if you weren't here, I'm not going to go into great detail, but last, last week we talked about the new covenant. The Bible doesn't know anything about a contract. The Bible only knows covenant. Uh, You cut a covenant. And two parties in that covenant, they do it because they trust one another. This isn't a, a laws and rights that they have. This is a pledge that they have. They make to one another because they trust one another. Today, all we know is contracts. And we make contracts because we don't trust one another. And if you don't do what the contract says, then I'm going to go to the law, and I'll make sure you do what you were supposed to do. And somehow or other, this has filtered into the church, and it frightens me and other leaders as we think, you know, somehow we have descended the Christian message to just say the sinner's prayer, just say these words, and say this prayer, and okay, that's it. You're in a contract. Brothers and sisters, the Bible doesn't know anything about that. The Bible doesn't know anything about that. And I'm afraid, uh, hold on to your seat, but I'm afraid we're making some people uh, unduly comfortable believing such a thing. Because God's not after a contract. God's after a covenant. And the best thing we said the, the best thing that we can say about a covenant, the best picture we have of a covenant, God gave us a picture in his word of a wedding, of a marriage, and because it's a picture that all cultures for all time would get. Ultimately, the real issue is union and communion with God. See, we're not saved to get a fire insurance policy out of hell, which is kind of what I hear a lot of. You know, We're, we're not saved uh, just to get out of hell. I mean, we have so minimized the good news to such a ridiculous thing that uh, we have made it. Listen, I, what I said last week is, or I said it Wednesday night, I'm not sure. Ephesians says that it surpasses knowledge. If you can just understand the new covenant, just understand, understand God and understand it all, then it's not God. It's not God. Because you need the power of the Holy Spirit to allow you to get it. You can't just use a fallen, finite mind. Okay, now now I get this and I get that. Can I tell you something? We act like Jesus is some sort of theology professor who's more interested in you getting the answers right than he's more interested in in, in theology than he is in people. I'll tell you, we're going to be really surprised at who's going to be there. I want to tell you that right now, your biggest enemy Jesus is working in right now. He's working in all Hollywood. I know that makes you mad about some people in Hollywood. He's working in, uh, he's working in the White House and the Congress. I want to tell you there's nobody too low. Every drug addict, every, there isn't a person right now that God is not wooing. Wooing. Not a person. He doesn't see all these crazy, uh, all these factions that we've made. And when Jesus comes, every wall is going to be taken down. The wall between Gentile and Jew, the Bible says, Well, that's really everybody, because if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile, no matter what you are. So every wall between men and women and Gentile and Jew, it doesn't matter, every single wall is going to come down in Jesus. Jesus is so amazing. If we could have eyes by the Holy Spirit to see him. You know, it it hit me one day. uh, We talk about, we've talked about surrender, we talked about it a little bit last week, and I want to just talk very, just mention this. Do we understand that there are many scriptures that talk about Father and Son? But there's a lot of scriptures that talk about God and Christ. You see, there are times when you read the scriptures, he's relating to the Father as a son. And there are times when he's relating as the Christ to God. You know what that means? It means incredible that the God of this universe, that all things were made by and for, submitted himself to God just the way he expects you and I to. Does that blow you away? He surrendered all that he was to obey the Father. Everything Jesus did, he was listening for his Father. At any time, he could have stepped out and done his own thing. But he was the Christ. He came for you and for me. And so in that position, we think, wow, God's asked me to surrender to him and trust him and obey him. Well, that's exactly what he did. That's exactly what Jesus Christ did for you and for me. Brothers and sisters, if we could see... There's a wedding all through, there's a marriage all through the Bible. It is the, it is the pinnacle of the, of the Word of God. The Bible starts with a, Bible, with a marriage, Adam and Eve in Genesis, right? And then it ends with a marriage in Revelation. Starts with one, ends with one. Jesus' first miracle was what? At Canaan. We are, There's a, the wedding and a marriage is all through the word of God. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And then I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband and I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. A marriage, The whole Bible ends in a marriage. You see, once you accept the covenant, once you accept the covenant and surrender to Jesus Christ, you need to change just like every bride and groom that have stood at these steps. When they turned around and left, they had to change all of their pronouns from I to we. You know, when, when Joe and I were raising, raising our, our kids, you know, if something, if something I remember something one time I was, it, um, it's hard for me to pull this out. I was confused this one I was think. Let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. I mean, if something's going on in one of our children's lives today or, or our grandchildren, I don't have to go and say, oh, Joe, um, I, you know, I want you to really care with me. I mean, could you really, could you really, um, you know, I, I want you to feel like I do about this? There's no I. There's no I. There's such a we here, we're like, oh, what should we do? Let's pray. I- I'm worried. Are you worried? I'm worried too. There is a we. There is no I. When there is a marriage, there is no you. There is a we in everything you do. And you know that's true for the Lord. What you need to do is get rid of your I. And when you're dealing with something in your life, you say, Lord, what do we want to do about this? Lord, where should we go with this situation? We've, we've got to stop seeing this, this fleshly, fallen division that I'm here and God is there. Because if you and I, if you and I have surrendered to Jesus Christ, and you and I have embraced the covenant, that I want to tell you there is no Jesus and you, as far as God is concerned, are a one. He lives in you. you listen, he didn't come, as I said to just save a bunch of renegades. I'm not going to be just a a redeemed uh, sinner. I want to tell you that Jesus Christ left heaven for a bride. That's the language that the Bible lets us see it in. He came to get a partner. And when this age of grace is over, and many of us think it's drastically coming to an end, I want to tell you, when it comes to an end, and eternity begins, the Son of God is not walking into eternity alone. No, I don't think you heard me. He's not walking into eternity alone. He has come for a partner. He has come... All through the revelation, he goes to one church after another and he tells them what's wrong and he tells them what to change and then he says, yeah, but to him or her who overcomes, let me tell you what I'm going to do for you. Let me tell you what I've got waiting for you. Do you and I understand that the devil wants to Block our eyes. He wants us to be so distracted with the good things on this earth or the bad things on this earth. He wants to keep us so consumed with what's here that we miss the most important message that we could ever hear as human beings. Jesus Christ has come to, to get a bride to sit with him on the throne. And the Bible says, and the bride has made herself ready. This is the period of time since Jesus went back to the Father, that the bride is to make herself ready. I mean, what would it be like? I love it when we do a wedding, and we stand here, and the bride, the groom is at my left, and the bride is coming down that aisle, and it's hard for me not to. I try to do it really discreetly, but I probably don't. I'm just like, I just love to look at the groom's face. I love to look at the groom's face. As he watches her. As he watches her. Now, what do you think it would be like if I'm the bride? Give me a phone, Jim. I'm pretending to at the phone. <laughs> I'm the bride. Dun 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 dun, 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 dun. I mean, seriously? Seriously? Oh, sorry. I just got a little distracted. My phone rang. Really? If I were the groom, I'd be like, that way. And she's all in her jeans and chewing gum. Cool. Do you think this is what Jesus Christ, the the king of the universe, wants to bring home to death? I don't think so. Dad's going to be like, really? (laughs) The Lord told me a long time ago, I don't want to marry a 10-year-old. I want to marry a partner. I want to marry a partner. I want to marry somebody who can feel, who's been through things that I've been through, who understands me who can share with me. Brothers and sisters, <laughs> I don't know where we get this idea, but if you and I, the cross is forever. The real picture of Jesus Christ. Forget everything else. Forget everything else. Other pictures that the devil wants us to have. This is the real picture of Jesus Christ. God on the cross, giving all that he has, saying, I'd do, I'd do this over again for you. I'd do this every week if I had to for you, to get you. We have taken out the love story and made it a legal transaction when it's a covenant. When it's a covenant of love. Jesus Christ loves people and you in particular. And he knows you. And he's drawing you. And yet we let such silly things stop us from getting to know, from from obeying the Lord. When I say, and the bride's made herself ready, do you think that he's going to hand the business over to some kid that doesn't know anything about self-sacrificing love? Because that's the rule of the kingdom, washing feet, humbling yourself, turning the other cheek. Brothers and sisters, you are in a school, and you get tests in this school. And my question to me today and to you today is, how are you doing? The biggest, the biggest horror is that we don't even know we're in school. And the great regret that people will have that they, you gain the whole world. What will it profit a man or woman if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? This is the gospel. This is the gospel. You know, sometimes I think, oh, you know, I, I'm going to get up there and I'm going to, hmm. I've got to tell the gospel as I see it. And listen to this. From Genesis to the Revelation. In Genesis, we see heaven and earth created. In Revelation, we see a new heaven and a new earth. In Genesis, we see paradise lost. In Revelation, we see paradise regained. In, in Genesis, we see Satan enter. In Revelation, we see him cast out forever. In, in, heaven, in Genesis, we see the earth cursed. In Revelation, we see no more cursed. The curse is over. In Genesis, we see Adam and Eve... In in Revelation we see a redeemed people, in heaven in, in Genesis we see a garden, in Revelation we see a city. I can go on and on. A river of life, tree of life. I mean, we could go. I could go. There's like twenty of these. I can go down and tell you. Tell me this just accidentally happened. The Revelation was the last book put in the canon, centuries after everything else, and yet it so perfectly lines up with Genesis. It's amazing. Brothers and sisters, this is time for the bride to make herself ready. The Bible says that there's going to be, in Hebrews it says, there's one more shaking that's going to come. It's a great shaking, and everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Some people think that's happening now. It means everything politically, economically, uh, religiously. It doesn't matter that everything will be shaken. Why? Because God's a meanie and he wants to hurt you and, and people know because he, it says that every, the things that then the kingdom will be revealed, the one thing that cannot be shaken is the kingdom of God. You know how, I, you know how the Lord told me about this? Some of you know my stories. Uh, I was a young mother and uh, John, I think it was you. It was you. John bought a parakeet. Well, his father let him buy a parakeet, but I've given that up, and I'm not holding that against you anymore, honey. So he put a dirty parakeet, I mean a cute little, huh? John didn't take care of it. Jenny took care of the parakeet. Yeah. Yeah. And so I found out with the parakeet that I'm like, okay, okay. So you let this thing out of the cage sometimes? Yeah. Yeah. Well... (laughs) Doesn't it have to do things when it's, you know, doesn't it have to do things? <laughs> yes, it does do things, Mom. Okay, but this is how you, how you work it, I found out. You let the parakeet fly around the room, and whenever he lands on anything but the cage, you shoo, you shoo him away until he gets the message that he's got to land on the cage. And then he can do whatever he wants to do in the cage. And the Lord said this to me, that's what I'm going to do with you. I was like, what? That's what I'm going to do with you. Everything you put your rest in, everything you land your life on, I'm going to shoo you away. He kept his word. When you try to find all your satisfaction out of a person, when you try to find all your... your um, Security out of one particular thing, all of your self worth out of something, all of your uh, self esteem out of something. God says, I will shoo you away because that can be shaken. The only thing that cannot be shaken is me and my kingdom. Doesn't Jesus say, build your house on a rock? And when the storm comes, because it will come, your house will stand. Okay, quickly, Linda, let's start moving into close-up here. Some things I really want to say, so let me just make sure I say the things most on my heart. One thing in particular I want to say is the bride has made herself ready. And one way that I believe is so essential for the bride, you and me, to make ourselves ready. You see, when we enter into a covenant with God and surrender to him, and brothers and sisters, it's not one-time surrender in 1963. It's a surrender, pick up your cross daily and follow me. Another American, uh, I, I don't know what you call it, people are believing that because they touched God sometime and he was real to them, and now they're just living. I, I'm not going to tell you. You're going to say, Linda, don't you believe in internal security? I don't know. I don't know. I used to. I'm not sure anymore. All I know is, wouldn't you rather be safe? Wouldn't you rather be totally, totally safe than taking a chance? If, you, if God touched you sometime and you surrendered, but you're living like hell today and snuffing your nose at God, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, want, I don't want that to be. I want to say this. You not only enter into a covenant with, with him. He gave a covenant means two people give all that they have and say, from this point on, I, I mean, tribes did it. And if somebody comes after that tribe and I'm in covenant with that tribe, then I'm, he's my enemy too. I mean, all that you have is mine. And all that I have is yours. So if I enter into a covenant with God, I want to tell you, you're also in a covenant with brothers and sisters that have covenanted with him. And I want to tell you that the most important thing you can do for yourself, if you haven't, get some people around to do life with that will tell you the truth. People that you can walk with that will say, hey, hey, you know, Isn't that a wedding ring you have on your finger? What was that going on with you and that girl in that restaurant the other night? Mm -hmm. I want people in my life that are going to help me keep my covenant. And I want to help them keep their covenant. The bride has made herself ready. She's not a one-person bride. This isn't polygamy. This is a one, this is a many-membered bride. I want to make sure I say that. Lord, bring back to my mind what else I wanted to make sure I underlined. This covenant is the most amazing amazing uh, if we could Most amazing possibility that God could make with mankind when He cut the covenant and said, "Here I am; I'm all yours; I'm totally yours." Now, last week we talked about the Jewish ceremony when a man and woman were to get married; they they had a uh, a feast, and uh, there was a sign of the covenant given. And these things were done all as pictures of what was going to happen when the Lord Jesus was going to make, cut a covenant with us. And this is what I want to say to you. Maybe today you're here and you've never surrendered to Jesus Christ. Can I say this to you? Forget all your questions. You don't have to have it all worked out in your head. That's just a a side road. You don't have to have all your questions answered. What what you do have to have is a heart that says, "Lord, I do surrender, and I want to make you my king. I want to get out of the driver's seat." Doesn't mean you become a passive; you don't have a thought in your head. We're not talking about that. It means, Lord, lead me today in this relationship that's difficult. Lead me today in this problem, Father. Lord, I'm trusting you behind this that you're that you're working. It's a surrender. Brothers and sisters, I don't know how long I'm going to ask for the table to look like this, but probably a while. This is a, this is a picture of a wedding because this is the covenant feast that's telling us there's the real feast coming when the king does come and we really finish our vows and we, t- and we consummate the marriage. But until then, this feast is a picture of it. And the sign of the covenant is water baptism. And so I'm going to just one more time before I end this this morning tell you how important water baptism is. Because just like Jesus totally immersed himself in you, in all your sins, and everything about you, he immersed himself in you. Water baptism, when you go in the water, that's what you're saying. I'm immersing myself in him. This is the sign there was a circumcision for the Abrahamic covenant. There was a rainbow in the sky for the covenant with Noah. There's always a sign for the covenant. Water baptism is the sign, I believe, for the new, for the, for the new covenant. I pray today. Father, I pray. We're going to get that video up, please, Scotty. Father, we pray today for every person in this room, in this place. Father, whether it's the hundredth time we are surrendering to you or the first. Father, we ask you to give us grace by your spirit to be able to do it. Father, we thank you. You sent Jesus for us because you love us. Father, I loose the knowledge of your love to every man, woman, and child in this room. Father, we await with great expectation that wedding that's soon to come. Father, we want to be part of that bride that's making herself ready. Let's take a look at this, this video.
0: There's a stirring in the throne room And all creation holds its breath Waiting now to see the bridegroom Wondering how the bride will dress And she wears white She knows that she's undeserving She bears the shame of history But this worn and weary maiden Is not the bride that he sees She wears white head to toe Someone dries your tears when someone wins your heart and sends- Today, she stands before you. can
1: is a marriage, it really is, he is on the cross with his arms wide open saying, will you marry me, and we each, each of us have to respond to that, to his request, so if you are somebody who would like to respond the first time or the hundredth time, would you repeat after me? Our, God, our gracious God and Bridegroom, we confess that we have repeatedly broken covenant with you in thought, word, and deed. We do, therefore, ask for your forgiveness and help in freeing us from our sin. We confess our faith that you are as beautiful as you reveal yourself to be on the cross. We commit ourselves to always lay aside deceptive images of you that are contrary to this. We confess that in Christ... You made the greatest possible sacrifice to rescue us from our sin and from Satan's oppression and to bring us into a saving, covenantal relationship with you. We confess that on the cross, you've extended your hand in marriage to us and by your empowering grace and indwelling spirit we respond by declaring we do by your empowering grace and indwelling spirit we commit to turn from our self-centered covenant-breaking ways and to cultivate the life of a faithful bride by your empowering grace and indwelling spirit we commit to pouring out our whole self for you just as you poured your whole self out for us when we fall short as we often do We ask you to forgive us, to pick us up, protect us from discouragement, and to continue to free us from our fallen ways. We thank you, Father, Son, and Spirit, for being a faithful groom, even when we have been an unfaithful bride. We thank you, Father, Son, and Spirit, for giving us the confidence that our process of salvation and transformation will someday be complete. With hope and joy, we look forward to the time when we shall perfectly dwell in your unending love as you perfectly dwell in ours, in the consummation of our beautiful marriage forever and ever. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.